stars are out. Everyone turn up your volume and turn down your lights. The Twilight Beacon begins transmitting now. Jedediah D. Blackwell here, coming to you from the Twilight Beacon, here in the American Southwest. Tonight, for the first time, we have a featured performer on the Twilight Beacon, as we present two terrifying stories voiced by a legend of horror films and radio shows, Boris Karloff. After playing the part of Frankenstein's monster in Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein during the 1930s, Boris Karloff became forever associated with the horror genre. He also played the part of Imhotep in the 1932 film The Mummy, making him the actor behind two of Hollywood's most iconic monsters. After gaining fame for these portrayals, Karloff continued acting in the Universal Studios' horror film roles. Over his long career, Karloff amassed over 200 acting credits in film, television, and radio, mostly horror, drama, and action movies, but with an occasional comedic turn as well. One of his last, and most beloved performances, that can still regularly be seen in modern media, is his Grammy-winning portrayal of the Grinch, and the narrator for the 1966 animated production of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Our first Boris Karloff performance tonight is Death Robbery, from Lights Out, on June 16, 1947. This show aired during the final year of Lights Out, which by this time had become a notorious program in horror radio for its colorful characters and shocking plots. The reputation of Lights Out would have fit very well with an acting legacy like Boris Karloff's, and he was already quite famous by the time this episode aired, so his inclusion would have been a big draw for audiences. Karloff's voice, while not prominently featured in his most iconic monster roles, was made for radio. He performed on Lights Out several times and made appearances on other programs between his film work. He later hosted radio programs of his own and voiced numerous spoken word albums, including children's stories and audiobooks. Death Robbery is a classic mad scientist story, but, as with most Lights Out scripts, the story takes a much darker turn than the usual fare. The scientist, played by Karloff, has been attempting to resurrect dead animals and believes he is ready for a human test subject. His choice for this experiment is someone very close to him, and the consequences are more than he bargained for. And now we present Death Robbery, as heard on Lights Out in July of 1947. Hideous things come out of the darkness to prowl the tortured earth. Evil hands stretch forth to seize. Evil eyes are watching. Unholy voices whisper and quarrel in the fearful silence. Death stalks loathsome, horrible death. Dare you put out your lights and listen to Boris Karloff in the story of horror in the deepening darkness? Dare you listen to... Lights out! I'm glad you brought up the question of ethics, Ed. Sometimes I think science is too ethical. Stands in the way of research. Mm, I don't know, David. Take your work, for example. 
It's wonderful, but you have to be very cautious. I think working with monkeys is about as far as you should go right now. Oh, but, Ed, David is past that stage. Why not show Ed the one you worked on today, darling? If you'd like to see it, Ed, it's right in the lab. Yes, I would. I saw it last night after you injected the poison. <laughs> I'll get it, David. Thank you, dear. It's in the second cage. Mm, Ruth's a wonderful girl, David. Must be a big help to you in your work. Don't know what I do without her. But if she ever gets too interested in pure science, <laughs> I'm going to I'm, I'm going to lock her out of the lab and just make her go back to being a wife. <laughs> How do you find time for a wife? Now look here, all you practicing surgeons think the research man is a machine. Not me, Ed. Ruth means more to me than all the discoveries I might make. Her happiness is all I live and work for. Well, I can't say that I blame you. She's a very charming person. Here he is. Same one you saw last night, Ed. Stone dead. And there he is, just as healthy and alive as any other monkey. Why, it's amazing, David. Naturally, I've followed all the experiments along this line, but you seem to have progressed much farther. David can't go any farther with animals. He's ready for the next step. And he can do it. Well, I'm all for research, David. But you have a moral obligation in this sort of thing. How do you know it'll work with human beings? Oh, you're a surgeon yourself, Ed. You know that human beings are animals just like all the subjects I've used. I know it'll work. Well, knowing it won't get you far with society. You'll have to submit proof. I know that. And I've tried every way I can think of to get a human being to demonstrate on. He's tried insane asylums, penitentiaries, everywhere. No one will listen to me. Well, in a way, you can't blame them. Even to me, with my training, the idea seems, well, blasphemous. My dear Ed, you can't stop scientific progress because of a so-called moral concept. Besides, what could be less blasphemous than a triumph over death? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't see it that way. I wouldn't want to try it on me. When I'm dead, I want to stay dead. Oh, that's foolish, Ed. Well, if I die first, I want David to use me for a subject. Ruth, don't look so startled, Ed. She's always been my strongest supporter. But I'm not going to use her as a subject. I like her too well as a wife. <laughs> Still, it gives me the shivers to hear you talk that way, Ruth. Why? I've seen David's work grow to where the technique is perfect. Before long, his experiments will be recognized by the whole medical world. And if I can help him achieve that goal, I'm willing to do anything. Living or dead. I mean it. said she wanted to do it, Ed, living or dead. David, you're surely not going to hold her to that. Not now. Of course I am. She meant it. But I called you over here tonight, Ed, because I need help. Don't tell me that. That I want you to help me bring Ruth's... to bring her here? That's exactly what I mean. David... Will you help me? Or must I bribe some stranger? David, why don't you give this thing up? It's, it's inhuman. Ed, if I succeed, I'll have Ruth back. Don't you see how much it means? Well, yes, if you're successful. Oh, I've no doubt about that. Look, I've got my laboratory record. 714 times I've performed the experiment on guinea pigs, rabbits, monkeys. 714 times it's been successful. Don't you see? 
But, David, this is no laboratory experiment. Ruth was your wife. She is my wife. The only woman I ever loved. That's why I want to bring her back here and start her breathing and living again. There's an ugly name for what you're asking me to do, David. I know. Grave robbery. But there's a better name for it, Ed. Death robbery. We'll rob old man death. Kick the door shut. Uh, on the operating table. I must say you are completely equipped. It's surgery, just as well as a lab. Everything we need is here. There. Well, it's done. Not yet. You mean you want me to stay? Ed, listen. Ever since Ruth... Well, I guess I've leaned on you for everything. I won't ask you to stay, but I do need you. Just a little longer. All right, David. I'll stay. Ruth will be the first to thank you when we succeed. David, I'll always doubt this until I see Ruth living, breathing, smiling again. It won't be long. Just a matter of 15 or 20 minutes. If nothing happens. What will you do if your operation doesn't work? Then you'll have just one more job to do as my friend. And that? Will be to bury both of us. Oh, now look, David. If Ruth isn't alive again within a few minutes, I'll have lost her forever. And I'll have proved that my whole life's work is useless. I'll have reason enough to use any of a dozen tricks that any good surgeon knows. End the whole business. Oh, but don't look so horrified, Ed. We won't fail. Let's begin. I should remind you once more, David, that you're usurping powers that belong to God Almighty. I like to think that Providence has wisely held back the knowledge of things like this until we knew how to use them. And I know how. Hand me that large beaker. All right. I'm not going to back out on you, David. What shall I do? Do. You'll work as you haven't worked in surgery before. Thank heavens I've got your skill on my side. Now then, first strap the spigot manometer on her arm. I just happened to think of something. Keep moving. This is all a matter of timing. Yeah, but, David... Here are your instruments. And I want the incision right here where I'm shaving the hair. Make a small incision just at the fontanelle... While I prepare the solution. David, have you considered... Please work fast. But Dave, what? She was embalmed, you know. Of course I know that. I have something to replace the blood and, and counteract the fluid. It's ghastly. Finish the cut. I know what I'm doing. Well, that's all for the incision, but after all... It'll work nice. Now cut away the dura mater. Entirely? Leave the brain exposed? Yes, yes, I'll fix that. I've done it 700-odd times. This is no guinea pig or monkey. Well, I hardly need reminding. Sorry. What's that? A compound I've synthesized myself. What is it? I call it digamma paradiamine. Oh, I know that isn't chemically correct. But it's as close as I can get to it. I knew that something like it must exist. It took three years to track it down took me that long to make the first drop of it. Well, you know what you're doing, all right? Yes, I do. Now then, if you're finished, take the leads from that storage battery there and attach the positive to the silver plate on the shelf. Put that at her feet. I feel as if I were doing something unholy. Place the tip of the negative in the incision you made in the skull. Be sure the tip of the wire actually 
actually penetrates the pyre martyr. David, what if you bring her back? I will bring her back. But what if you bring her back and find she comes back without her soul? What? Her soul? Yes. You're a surgeon, and you believe in a soul? Well, I hesitate to say there is no such thing. You've seen a good many deaths, haven't you? Have you ever seen any evidence that the soul escapes at death? Perhaps I couldn't recognize the evidence. Let's put it this way, then. If there is any soul, it either leaves the body or stays with it at death. Now, no reputable surgeon or physician has ever been able to report the slightest evidence of the soul's having left the body. So, the soul, if there is a soul, must stay with the body, a part of it. I'm ready now. If you've finished. Everything's set. Good. Close that switch, then, at the battery. Watch the meter and keep the current between plus and minus five of 150. There's a rheostat on the edge of the table. All right? All right. Now, I'm going to inject 10 cc's of adrenaline in the brachial artery. Adrenaline? Adrenaline and something else. There. God, she's beautiful, Ed. Yes. She was. She is. You'll see her in a few minutes, just as she was. I wonder what you'll have to tell us. Nothing. Death is only a transcendental sleep. Do you really believe that, dear? Oh, well, what's the difference? How's the current? Let's see. What? Let's jump to 180. Good. Bring it back to 150. That's the result of the injection. On a dead body? <laughs> Let's say suspended animation. There are still a few things in surgery you don't know, aren't there? I never dreamed of a reaction like that. I'll show you more. Help me swing this lamp over here. But... Let the ammeter go. It'll hold steady for a minute now. But it might jump again. No, it won't. I've been all through this before. The reactions are exactly the same as the others. And this lamp? X-rays? No, it's a modification of the cathode ray. And just another of my developments. I call these atheta rays. Why do you call them that? Well, most rays are named for the first few letters in the Greek alphabet. Alpha, beta, gamma, and so on. Well, that explains theta. Didn't you say R theta? Yes. But theta was called the letter of death by the ancient Greeks. Well, that's right. It was the first letter in the word thanatos. Death. Yeah, I see. A theta without death. <laughs> Maybe I was too sentimental. Maybe. But at least human for once. Let's not argue. Here goes the ray. Now, quickly. The solution. Inject it? No, pump it. I built this pump especially for it. There's the pump switch, Ed. Here? Yeah. Turn it on and watch the ammeter. Okay. It's jumping. How far? 155. Let it go. 160. 170. Hold it there. It'll stay there now. Listen carefully. Yes. As soon as I turn off the pump, I want spigma readings. But there won't be any blood pressure. Wait and see. Give me a reading each time I ask for it and take them carefully. Are you ready? That's fantastic. I'm ready. Okay. Reading. Systolic zero. Diastolic zero. That's all right. It'll take a few seconds. Now. Forty. Oh my God. Diastolic. Hurry. 
Zero. My altic valve is still open. I'll turn off the ray. Reading. 48. Over 42. David, not yet. Now the stopwatch. Seven seconds after I say go, I want the systolic. Now you have it? Right. Ready. Now, go. Sixty. Go. Just what it should be. Lord, look at my hand. I don't wonder. Ruth, darling, just a few more minutes. All right, Ed. Now the ray again. We'll know the answer very soon. How long do you use the ray this time, David? Not long. Give me a reading. 68. Over 67. Now. 70. Diastolic. 68. Now. David. 118. 76. Close. Now. 120. That's it. 80. The stethoscope. Quick. Here. Listen. She's all right otherwise. As far as I can tell, her respiration's normal, pulse just a tiny bit fast, and the reflex is slow, but apparently all right. David, I... I feel I must apologize to you. Apologize? Why? Well, for doubting you, I suppose. <laughs> You'll learn to believe me. Very calm in the face of all this. Do you realize that you've performed a miracle? A miracle? I brought my wife back to me, as I promised her. It's... It's an unholy thing, but... But we've conquered death. Is that unholy? We have conquered death. May God forgive us. She'll only wait now. How long has she been asleep? Let me see. Eleven hours. Hasn't spoken at all? Not since that first scream, when she fell asleep. Have you given her anything? Just a few drops of brandy. Have you tried to wake her? No, but I think I'll try now. Oh, wait a minute before you do. Why? Well, I hate to keep harping on this business about a soul, David. I realize this is no place for a philosophic discussion. But I can't help wondering why Ruth screamed when she first came back to life. I think there's a logical explanation. After all, it must have been a physical shock. Well, that's true. It must also be true that there was a great mental shock involved. I think that's why she screamed. And I'm wondering whether there's been a permanent effect on her mind. Known as I prefer to think of it, her soul. Oh, you're simply borrowing trouble, Ed. I've never seen any sign of permanent damage in my other experiments. Don't forget that Ruth was a human being. Well, there's only one way to find out. 
I'm going to wait. You're not afraid? Afraid? Of what? Ruth. Ruth. Wake up, darling. Ruth, dear, it's David speaking. Wake up, dearest. Ruth. Ruth. Darling, no wonder it's scared a poor girl. Ruth, it's it's David, dear. I kept my promise and you're alive again. Oh, you're all right, honey. It's David. You're you're Ruth. Ruth. David. David, what's the matter? Ruth. God is her mind. No, David. Her soul. David, you'd better go out for a little exercise now. I'll stay here with her. I'll stay while you go out and walk around a bit. You've been there with us since 8 o'clock last night without any letter. Go on, I'll stay. Ed. I know, old boy. I'd give anything myself if we could undo what we've done, but... Ed, what could I do? Well, there may be something. Let's try an experiment when she wakes up again. What kind of an experiment? Well, let's see if we can talk to her, get her to say anything. If we can get a flicker of intelligence, maybe we can teach her, build up from a small fragment... Maybe it might work. I'm going to wake her up and try it. But not now. Why don't you take a walk? Relax a little. And get something to eat while you're out. Eat? I can't eat. I'm going to wake her. Ruth. Ruth. David. Why not let her sleep? She's waking up now. Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Are you waking up? Poor child. Poor child. There. She repeats after me. A little... Maybe it will work, Ed. Ruth. Uh, David. Uh, it works. Seems to. Ruth, say I want a glass of water. Seems to. <laughs> I want a glass of water. Water. It's too long for her. Ruth. Say, Ruth. Ruth. Loves. Loves. David. David. <laughs> Ruth. Loves David. Ruth loves David. Ruth loves David. Ruth loves David. <laughs> Ruth loves David. <laughs> it's working, Ed. Maybe. But what is she thinking? I don't know. No, no. <laughs> Ruth, stop it. Stop it. Wait a minute, old man. This is too much for you, tired as you are. Go on, I'll take a little walk and I'll work with it for a while. Your nerves won't take much of this. Oh, I guess you're right, Ed. I can't think anymore. I'll be right there. Fine, fine. I'll take good care of her and see what I can find out. Be patient with me. Don't worry. I will. And you get something to eat while you're out. All right, I'll try. Poor guy, this is really rough on him. Rough on him! Ruth! We're kidding ourselves. There's nothing there. She's a parrot. Never mind, Ruth. Ruth, put on that scalpel. Scalpel! You'll hurt yourself. Ruth, stay away. Don't put it down. Think of David. Ed, 
God's sake, what happened? Ruth. Scalpel. I'll get something and fix you right up. Wait. No use. Now, look. Dr. Artery. No hope. Ed. All right, Doctor. Your diagnosis is correct. A minute or two left. Ruth's hiding. Watch out. No. No soul. She'll kill you, too. What have I done, Ed? Everything I've done is wrong. Wonderful technique, Doctor. Congratulations. What about soul? Ed. Ed. Ruth. She's somewhere in the house. What if she gets out and a scalpel in her hands? There's been enough damage. Ruth! Ruth! Basement. I'd better take a gun. You'll hurt yourself. Ruth. Ruth, no, David. Ruth, come back. Ruth, no, David. Come back! busy in the lab. No. No, there's nothing new. Just an experiment. No. Like so many experiments, it it just didn't work out. Next week, Lights Out will bring you a story about the undead, the vampires who are doomed to wander alone through all eternity, seeking the blood of innocent ones. Be sure to listen next Wednesday night at the same time. Lights Out is produced and directed by Bill Lawrence. The script is by Paul Pierce and Willis Cooper. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
You just listened to Death Robbery from Lights Out, as originally aired on July 16th, 1947. Our next story featuring the legendary Boris Karloff is The Wailing Wall from Inner Sanctum, November 6th, 1945. Inner Sanctum was unique among horror radio shows. It delved deeper and more enthusiastically into darker subjects and more deadly plots than most radio programs, and added a well-balanced element of campy humor to the mix. The humor was provided by the enigmatic character known simply as Your Host, who welcomed the audience into the sanctum and introduced each week's story, while weaving in a constant stream of corny and over-the-top gruesome puns and double entendres. Your Host was voiced by Raymond Edward Johnson, who was a veteran radio performer, but never found more fame than he did as the creepy denizen of the inner sanctum. He never broke character, even during advertising reads, where he frequently interacted with a chipper female announcer, who seemed out of place, but nonetheless unfazed by Raymond's character in her delivery. Their interactions provide some of the most amusing moments in the show, especially when heard in contrast to the grim subject matter of the show itself. The Wailing Wall, not related to the historic site in Jerusalem, is one of several Boris Karloff appearances on Inner Sanctum. Just as with Lights Out, his voice and presence fit well with the show's themes, and he lends a gravitas that can't be overstated. This Inner Sanctum story is reminiscent of the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Cask of Amontillado, although with a slightly more ghastly premise, if that can be believed. And now, The Wailing Wall, as heard on Inner Sanctum in November of 1945. Sanctum Mysteries, starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the squeaking door into the land of ghosts, vampires other gay, hilarious people. Friends, are you looking for an apartment? Well, we have just the place for you. It's sturdily built, completely of marble, with cold running water every time it rains. You don't have to worry about the landlord putting you out. The lease is forever. All you have to do to get this little love nest is call your undertaker and get yourself a little bit dead. Mr. Host, I assure you, no one is the least bit interested in your offer. But, Mary, just think. Once you're dead, you can appear on Inner Sanctum. You know, we always have a ghost in our story, someone whose voice comes back from the grave and gives advice to our characters. Uh, Sometimes I think our theme song should be, My Mummy Done Told Me. (laughs) Well, that's very funny. (laughs) And I'll make room for the creepiest voice you ever heard. The curdling kid himself, the star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Tonight's story is called The Wailing Wall. It's an original radio play by Milton Lewis. You'll hear Boris Karloff in the role of Gabriel Hornell. All set, friend. And turn out the lights, curdle close to the fire, and listen. Night. On the waterfront of downtown Manhattan, the fog creeps in like a crawling cloud. 
Tucked in between the towering skyscrapers, there's an old rundown mansion. An anachronism. A freak among the streamlined giants. It's the Hornell home. And tonight, leaping tongues of flame from behind the black shutters. Here's it, Johnny. Is there anybody in that old dump? It's an old guy there, they don't. Gabriel Hornell. I hope he had sense enough to get out. That place is like a tinderbox. Yeah, I'm pretty well gone. Pussy, get that hole. Hey, there is someone in there. Get the action. Come on. I'm right behind you. What? Get out of the way. Gabriel, 
You won't make it difficult for you, Agnes. Murder? It's the only way. No, Gabriel. We couldn't go on like this. Your imaginary illnesses, your constant nagging. I, I have to be free of them, Agnes. But murder? This is best for both of us. No, Gabriel. Send me away. Do anything you want. You can get a divorce. A divorce there, see? So that would solve everything. You could have your freedom. Stand there, Agnes. Just as you are. I know. That other woman, Dorothy Carter, that actress. That's why you're doing this. Oh, you thought I didn't know about that, Gabriel. Well, I do. Yes, I do. She was ill, terribly ill. 
I tried to keep it secret until she recovered. But the doctors knew. Insane? Yes. Don't you see? The river. I'd better get back to the precinct and report this. You'd better come with me. Missing persons bureau will... Mr. Arnell. Yes? You must be mistaken. Isn't that her? That... That isn't a woman. Of course it is. It's coming from that room there. Well, sure, it's your wife. I know her voice and she sounds like she's in pain. But it can't be. There's no one in that room. But she wants to come in the back way. Come, I'll show you. No, don't go in. Huh? Nothing. No. There. You can see for yourself there's no one here. No one. Could have sworn your wife was in this room. chance to warm your blood, and now we fondly hope to turn it to ice again. With the help of our star, Boris Karloff, we continue with the strange letter left by Gabriel Hornell. Here he watched in silent fascination as the cat screamed and leaped against the wall. Would he notice the new wallpaper in the dim light? Suddenly, the policeman turned to me. Yes, I... I guess that noise is only the wind. Strange, I like a wailing woman it can sound, isn't it? Yes. Well, don't believe me now. I guess it'll be all right for you to stay here. I'll make a report at headquarters about your wife. It's very good of you, Kiri. She turns up, you let us know? Yes, I, I'll let you know. Good night, Mr. O'Neill. Good night. He left. I locked the door and came back to the room. The room where my wife was entombed. Was she still alive inside the hollow of that wall? I listened all that night. The wailing rose to a high, insane shriek. And then towards morning, it began to grow weak. And so she was losing strength. And it seemed to die. The cat crept away. There was a merciful silence in the house. She was dead. She had to be by now. I sat bolt upright, shaking, trembling. Oh, I'd been dreaming. The front doorbell was ringing. It was night again. How long had I slept? The house was silent. Oh, there was nothing to fear now. I ran to the door, opened it. Hiya, kiddo. Dorothy. Well, are you going to keep me out here in the cold? No, no. Come in. Come in. I haven't been... I haven't been feeling well, darling. Is that why you forgot our date tonight? I, I must have overslept. What time is it? Ten o'clock. Ten? I must have slept clear through the day. Well? Aren't you glad to see me? Glad? Why, well, oh, yes. It's a, it's a delightful surprise. Well, that's more like you. Come here, kiddo. You've got the blues that... Dorothy will wipe them away. Give us a kiss. What? What's that? Just, just the wind. 
Oh, no, it can't be the wind. This is a very old house, Dorothy. You sometimes hear strange noises. Oh, I've never heard anything like that before. Sounds human. Oh, she's still alive. Even after 24 hours, suddenly I realized that the doorbell was ringing again. There was a large pair of wooden sliding panel doors between the room that we were in and the vestibule that led to the street. I wasn't going to take any more chances. There's someone at the door, Gabe. Yes. You wait here, Dorothy. What are you doing? Closing these doors. Why? I'd advise you not to ask too many questions. Evening, Miss O'Neill. Officer Cleary. Who are those men with you? Hey. That's something to show you, Mr. O'Neill. You'd better brace yourself. Not going to be pleasant. All right, bring it in, boys. You can put it over there. What? What is it? It's a body. A woman. Just fished out of the river right near here. She can't be dead more than 24 hours. My wife? That's hard to say. You see, the body got caught in the propeller of a boat. Not easy to recognize it. Unless it was examined by someone who knew her very well. Like yourself, of course. Let me see it. Take away the burner. Look, Miss Dunhill. I know. It's pretty bad. Is... Is it your wife? Agnes? Yes. Yes, of course. It's... It's her. You're sure now? Yes, I, I'm sure. Positive. All right, boys. Take it away. You can stay here, Mr. Arnett. I'll take care of everything down at headquarters. Good night. Good night, Cleary. Luck, fate, whatever it is that seemed to control men's lives was playing directly into my hands. They'd never investigate now. The nightmare was over. This time I was really free. Suddenly, the panel door opened. Dorothy was standing there. A curious smile on her lips. I heard everything, kiddo. You did? So you were married. No longer, Dorothy. My wife died. Suicide. So I heard. Now everything will be quite all right and we can get married in a few weeks. We'll have money, lots of money. She left you plenty, eh? She was very wealthy. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> I see what happens to your face when you hear that wail. Did you kill her? What are you talking about? Did you murder her? You heard what he said. She was found in the river. You can fool a dumb copper, but you can't fool Dorothy. That whale. Queer. Awful shape. Look at what that cat's doing, will you? Jumping up on that wall like it's gone crazy. Yes, there's something about that wall. That's what the cat's trying to tell me. Something about the wall. You better stay away from that, Oliver. I'm going to find out. Yeah, put the book end down. Not till I'm done with it, Kill. What are you doing there? I'm going to break through that wall. You crazy fool, stop it. No! You're too late, Gabe. I've broken a hole through and I'm going to look. 
how you seem. It's the hand. The hand of a woman. It's her. Your wife. Yes, Dorothy. You murdered her. Yes. Well, ain't you the kid? What are you going to do about it? What do you think? I want money. Lots of... That rope. Yes. This rope. Uh, it leaves no telltale traces. Oh, no, no, kid. Didn't you get it? It was all a joke. No, don't come any closer. Don't scream, Dorothy. It won't do you any good. Kid, listen to me. I, I don't want to send not, not one penny. I love you. I love you, I tell you. I, I'll keep your secret. I'll do anything you want. Anything. There's that rope. Take it away from my neck. Don't give it to me. I had spent 40 years in the house, 
more punishment than criminals receive who've committed even worse crimes than mine. I take a chance. I open the wall I sealed up 40 years ago. She... She was still there. But the wailing continued. Why? Why? I looked into the tomb I made for her, and then I saw it. I saw this thing that had ruined my life. It was a tiny hole in the outside wall that I'd made when I first broke it open. The wind rushed through and made that horrible wail. Ah, what was the use? I took a match out of my pocket. I set it flame to the curtains. In a moment, the place would be an inferno. But I decided to stay. I wanted to perish with the house. In death, at least I'd be make inquiries from the police. She told me. No, there was nothing unusual found among the ashes. Everything was burned to a fine powder. If, if I had only set fire to the house 40 years ago. But no matter. The window is open. And it's 18 stories to the ground. I will soon be free. for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That will wrap up this episode of The Twilight Beacon, featuring the iconic and menacing voice of Boris Karloff. You heard Death Robbery from the August 16, 1947 airing of Lights Out and The Wailing Wall, as broadcast on Inner Sanctum, November 6, 1945. The Twilight Beacon will return this Wednesday, October 20th, with another episode of Classic Radio Horror, with performances from two more legends of American radio, Orson Welles and Richard Widmark. Until then, this is Jedediah D. Blackwell saying goodnight, everyone, and... Good luck getting to sleep.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Twilight Beacon podcast. New episodes are released on thetwilightbeacon.com Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays during the month of October and can be found on your favorite podcast apps and streaming services. The Twilight Beacon podcast is produced and edited by Jason and Jacob Burgess. Music by Alexander Nakarada. Special thanks to the Old Time Radio Researchers Group and OTRR.com. Visit thetwilightbeacon.com for archived episodes and the schedule of upcoming shows. You can follow The Twilight Beacon on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest program updates.